All right, who's the opponent going to be tomorrow at 1 o'clock in Omaha? Well, it's starting to trend towards the Texas A&M Aggies as A&M is up on Notre Dame right now. Two to nothing in the top of the third. Bases are loaded with just one out. Aggie still up at the plate. Uh, they're a hit away from throwing up a real crooked inning on Notre Dame here early on. Uh, Parker is live and on site in Omaha. Uh, we got a doubleheader today, Parker. Uh, how's the atmosphere out there as uh, Game One is uh, officially underway? Yeah, how about it, Tyler? We're gonna have to. Well, we're gonna have to see what the atmosphere is like this evening between Arkansas and Auburn because you got two SEC fan bases, two SEC foes, going toe to toe in an elimination game. But uh, you know, we've been mentioning it all week. Notre Dame was one of those fan bases that particularly traveled very, very well. So uh, we will see. Uh, what the environment is like at uh, Charles Schwab Field tonight between the Razorbacks and the Tigers. But uh, as you mentioned, this one's starting to trend in favor of the Aggies here early. I am live at Double Zero Pizzeria at 204th and Pacific. Uh, Got the chance to meet the owners of this place, Dan and Chaz, earlier. Uh, Mentioned it at the top of the last couple hours. Chaz is a big OU fan, Uh, originally hails from the 918 uh, by way of Jenks. And the pizza that he and the folks out here at Double Zero serve is fantastic. It is prepared with Italian Double Zero flour. Once we found out that Chaz was a Sooner fan, we all figured, okay, Double Zero Pizzeria, because, you know, the Sooners won a national title back in 2000. That's got to be the connection, right? No, it turns out it's just a happy little coincidence. Huh. Uh, Italian Double Zero flour is what they prepare their crust with. Uh, they make all their sauces in-house. They hand grate cheese. Uh, everything done here at Double Zero is of the highest quality. They, sque- they specialize in craft pizzas with those high-quality ingredients, as well as some unique flavor combinations, including their Crab Rangoon pizza, which is a bestseller. And we've just been provided a bowl of cinnamon wedgies oh my gosh. by uh, Chaz. Which you love wedgies. The- this is great. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into these during the break. But, yes, that is where we're at today, 204th and Pacific here in Omaha, Double Zero Pizzeria. Come on by all week. This is some fantastic pizza out here on the west side of Omaha. It would have been awesome, though, if he would have named it Double Zero because of the national championship in 2000. How gutsy would that be to name it? In, in the state of Nebraska, Parker, when OU, like, took the Big 12 crown away, essentially, like, Nebraska was the lead dog in the conference that year, and then OU kind of took them away from them um, that October day in Norman. I realized Nebraska beat OU the very next year, but that's really where the tide turned. That would be one heck of a move to uh, name it after the 2000 OU National Championship in Nebraska. I wish he okay, did but yeah, see, we, no, we just we, So we gave him an alternate explanation. So he brings a Husker fan in. To double zero. It's, uh, you know, we make our pizza with Italian double zero flour. That's uh, that's where the name comes from. If he gets a Sooner fan in the building, it's like, oh, yeah, double zero. That's mm-hmm. where the Sooners won the ship. Bob Stoops and the boys, 13-0. and 0. That's yes. what it's about. Yeah. Uh, Kendall on the text line says, I'd rather play the Aggies. And this is what I was about to ask you is, yeah, I mean, that's fine, Kendall. Um, I honestly don't have a strong opinion one way or the other about who I would rather see tomorrow, Texas A&M or Notre Dame. The real strong opinion I have, though, on this particular game is, by the way, A&M scored another run, so it's 3 nothing Aggies. We're going to the bottom of the third. 
my strong opinion is I hope that this game doesn't end three to nothing. I hope that this game ends thirteen to twelve. I, I-, I want to see these teams go at it all afternoon long. Ton of pitches thrown. Ton of pitchers in the bullpen are thrown. This is a winner go home situation, so they got to empty out their bullpen. I, I don't really care one way or the other, Parker. I, I think both teams are pretty comparable at the end of the day. For me today, it's all about wasting as many good arms as possible heading into tomorrow to play OU. That's that's my real preference here. Well, and especially with OU's pitching staff at close to full strength. I mean, Kate Horton's really the only guy that you know for sure is unavailable heading into tomorrow afternoon's game. Oklahoma has a definite advantage as far as depth on the pitching staff is concerned. So... Yes, that is the one thing that you're rooting for in this contest if you're a Sooner fan. Make both these teams use as many relief pitchers as possible. Yeah, um, I know a lot of you out on the text line um, were at Omaha earlier this week. Some of you are even planning to go back to Omaha this weekend, which i got to say is a pretty baller move, and I am uh, very, very jealous of that. Where does the um, – I-, I am curious because everyone that goes to Omaha says, oh, my gosh. It's like baseball royalty. It's so awesome going to Omaha. The College World Series is so legit. I don't know how many sporting events that you've you've gone to. I where does it rank in the grand scheme of best things, best sporting events you've ever seen though? And and text line, I want you to play along with this as well. But where does it rank for you, Parker? I mean, look, Tyler, I am naturally partial to the College World Series because I grew up here in Omaha. So for somebody like me, it's probably going to rank way higher just by default than it otherwise would for somebody that has no ties to Omaha. But that said, it is an awesome environment. The stadium seats about 25,000, 30,000 people. So generally, particularly for those evening games, once the sun goes down, the stadium is packed. It's a really cool environment. There is great food. There is obviously great baseball. The setting for the ballpark in the heart of downtown with bars and restaurants and venues all around whenever you walk outside, uh, it just doesn't get much better than the College World Series. So in the, uh, I would say in the, amongst the hierarchy of sporting events that I have covered, the College World Series is definitely upper echelon, top five at the very least. I, need, I, should, I should come up with some definitive rankings, but all things considered, man, College World Series is certainly uh, up at the up towards the top. For yeah, me. Uh, Rose Bowl's number one for me. Uh, New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. We did the Rose Parade, all that. Um, oh, you lost the game, but it was an epic game that that went into overtime. That's going to be number one, probably always for me. The Final Four in Houston was really cool, but there's just something about Parker, you know. The Rose Bowl is, it's in Pasadena, but it's also in L.A., a major metropolitan area. Um, The Final Four was awesome, but Houston is a pain in the you-know-what to get around. There is something really special and something really cool about both the men's and women's College World Series that one's in Oklahoma City and the other's in Omaha. You know, like, Omaha is not a major metropolitan city. It's a really cool city that has a lot of cool things, a lot of cool bars and restaurants, but it's not a huge overpopulated city. Like, I, I feel like those are kind of the more special events, special environments to me because, you know, not, of all, not all of L.A. gets behind the Rose Bowl. But Omaha is known for the College World Series, and Oklahoma City kind of is known for the Women's College World Series. And I, I don't know. I, I just think it makes those two uh, 
those two events extra unique and, and extra special. So all that to say I need to get to Omaha, and I should probably do it this weekend. Yeah, you probably should, Tyler. If the Sooners win on Wednesday, I expect you here on Saturday. Yeah, I need to make that happen because I believe Saturday is a night game, right? 6 p.m. is first pitch. Well, yeah, once you're in the championship series, all those games yeah, are night games. Yeah, so you yeah, got yeah, yeah. night game Saturday, night game Sunday, night game if necessary on Monday. Wow. Well, we might have to make that happen. We'll see. Bottom of the third, uh, again, A&M up 3 nothing on Notre Dame. Notre Dame's got a runner on first and uh, two outs after just being uh, hit by the pitch. Uh, Peyton says, I'll tell you what, Tyler, when I went, it was absurd. Absurd is in uh, all caps, by the way. I have a video of the nightlife on Friday, and it looked like a club at Padre Island. You're selling this hard, Peyton. Well, you're talking right now. I may just have to make it up there on Saturday. Yeah, dang. Peyton's doing a better job of advertising Omaha than I am. It's basically spring break up there. I I do have a question, though, um, because, and I was telling Teddy this yesterday, it's the most unique event that an OU fan will attend. I mean, we know that this is a football-heavy fan base, and when you travel to a bowl game or a Big 12 championship game, everything is centered around one game. If OU makes it to the Final Four, everything's centered around two games in three days. Like, you kind of get the point here. There's a small amount of games in, you know, a short amount of time. But this is spread out over a week, man. So, do the majority of people, Parker, come for like the first two, three, four days of the event? Do most people come when we're in the championship series? Like, not a whole lot of people can afford to stay there for over a week. So how do fans approach going to this thing when there's so many games over so many days? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There are those who, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic, so many people work remotely these days or work from home. And so for some people, it's easier. Sooner fans did travel well for the opening weekend. I'll be interested to see what the turnout is like amongst Sooner fans on Wednesday afternoon because not only do you have a midweek game but you have a midweek game in the middle of the day so that one may be a little bit more lightly populated with Sooner fans regardless though I do think that if and when the Sooners advance the national championship series you are going to see a lot of fans start making their way to Omaha you are going to see Sooner fans pack out Charles Schwab Field for the Saturday and Sunday games and Monday if it gets that far but uh, obviously, it's easier to travel, easier to make plans on the weekend. Very strong Sooner contingent over the first weekend, and you would expect the same for the second weekend and then some if the Sooners are playing for a title. Yeah, well, especially if Ole Miss and Arkansas are the opponent, which is you know looking most likely at this point. Yeah, that weekend series is going to be packed because Arkansas fans have packed that place. Ole Miss fans have packed that place. And I think you're right, man. I think a whole lot of OU fans would make their trip up north to Omaha, especially for that Saturday game uh, if they get to that championship series. By the way, uh, if you're thinking about going tomorrow uh, or if you're already headed up that way, uh, $14 tickets is what I'm seeing right now for the game tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Now, that's, you're going to be sitting in the outfield. I mean, nothing wrong with that. But 14 bucks to get in the game tomorrow, and maybe by the time tomorrow rolls around, it's a little bit cheaper. So you're actually going to get some pretty reasonable tickets if you uh, haven't bought some yet for OU and A&M or uh, Notre Dame. So a little interesting there. All right, hey, keep the text coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Yeah, we, we got your full coverage. From Omaha 
Uh, Parker is up there right now. Uh, full OU baseball, college World Series coverage. But we also got a lot of football recruiting to talk about, talk about because there's been some big commitments that have dropped in the past 24 hours. We'll tell you about that and a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. I'm in studio. Parker is in Omaha. Connor Pasby is with me in the Brano Haver studio as well. A&M up on Notre Dame, three to nothing in the top of the fourth. Like I said, Parker is live in Omaha. Uh, man, I'm curious since you've uh, been to both games. What's the what's the best part of OU's College World Series run? Uh, it kind of in your eyes up to this point. Well, I'll tell you what the best part is, Tyler, and you're going to love this. The best part of Oklahoma's College World Series run and their postseason run in general thus far is that the analytics people are baffled by it. Yeah! Can I I just go ahead and get on the analytics soapbox for a second? Please, please. Okay, these these people are insufferable. And I'm, I'm not saying analytics are completely useless, because they're not, but... You know what the primary value of analytics really is, Tyler? To be snarky on social media and act like you know more than everyone else? Is, is that? Yes. Well, basically, it's, it's just like it's a way for people with no platform and or communication skills to try and level wow. the playing field <laughs> with regard to their sports opinions. Because, I mean, consider it, right? People like Stephen A. Smith and Colin Cowherd aren't revered as analysts because they're astronomically smarter than the average human, right? They're revered because they provide eloquent and compelling commentary with which an audience engages. Almost invariably, people who nerd out with advanced metrics are people who can't string together coherent sentences except on social media, but want to market themselves as experts who know more than all of you because math. I uh... here's, the thi- here's, here's the thing, though. Their method essentially just provides opinion insurance. And here's what I mean. You can make the metrics say whatever you want them to say. right? Tell you, you can manipulate the math to fit whatever narrative you want to push. And when the outcome reflects the analytics, these people can all p- pat themselves on the back and say, well, 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 analytics win again. That's why you trust the metrics. Subscribe to my website for more groundbreaking insights. But when the outcome doesn't reflect the analytics, they can say, well, you people don't understand how analytics work. All they do is generate probabilities, and this outcome just had a low probability. Uh, yeah, no crap it had a low probability. I don't need analytics to tell me that. Obviously, a month ago, Nobody expected Oklahoma baseball to be within three wins of a national title. All analytics does is just deflect responsibility for crappy takes. Because when you or I have a bad take, Tyler, we just eat crow and own up to the fact that we were wrong. It happens. It happens to everybody in this business. But analytics people, in general, all act holier than thou because in their eyes, they're incapable of being wrong. If the chips don't fall in their favor, it's just become it's, it's just because some low probability outcome occurred. So... Don't accuse them of being wrong. Take it up with the laws of probability. So nothing is making me happier right now than watching this Oklahoma baseball team rub it in the faces of the entire analytics crowd. And if you're an analytics person, I have nothing against you you personally. Please prove my generalization wrong. I hope you do so. But collectively, the analytics crowd generally grinds my gears like few others and so that's what i am relishing most about watching this oklahoma baseball team go as deep as they have gone 
I have uh, never loved you more than I do right here at this very second. I just, I want you to know, <laughs> I just man to man, just wanted to tell you how much I love you right now. Because it's, it's exactly right. You did the nerd voice when uh, talking about someone spouting off analytics, and that's what they normally are is a bunch of nerds. It's baseball. Crazy things happen, especially at this time of the year. Baseball is one of those amazing games where not the, the best team doesn't always win the World Series or the National Championship in college baseball. A lot of times it's who's the hottest team at the end of the year, who's playing the best baseball at the end of the year, and there's no nerdy analytic that can count on how hot a baseball team is right now. And that's what OU is. Analytically, no, they are not going to show up as one of the eight best teams in the country and certainly a team that should be three wins away from a national championship. But that's the great thing about baseball and the bad thing about analytics. You can't account for everything, and this OU baseball team is showing you, Parker, like you're saying, you can't always use analytics as just the, the basis for you, everything that you, you spout off. You, you know what one of the most laughable analytics takes of all time is? There's no such thing as momentum. That's, that's one of the things that analytics tr- not only doesn't account for, but actively tries to do the opposite of. Like, they try to discount the existence and the presence of momentum. Guess what? Oklahoma has momentum right now. That's the reason why they've gone as far as they have. Yeah. Well, if you don't believe that momentum is a real thing, uh, go to one. Not, not two, three, four, multiple. Go to one OU Texas game in Dallas in the Cotton Bowl. Sit through that and you tell me if momentum matters. Because I promise you, momentum matters in sports, be it football, baseball, or whatever. But, yeah, well, and Tyler, the reason why nobody wants a piece of this Oklahoma baseball team right now is not because they're loaded with first-round MLB draft talent. It's because they have momentum like no one else does at the moment. Yeah, I mean, everyone is playing their best ball, and this is what happens. Analytically, Tennessee should be three wins away from a national championship. But reality-wise, they're probably out um, drinking jello shots with everyone else right now in Omaha and not playing in this thing. So, uh, yes, a- a- analytics does not uh, account for everything. So, I love that. All right, uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line telling me to go to the championship series. I got to go. Remember the question whether go to the softball championship. Uh, you have a chance to witness both in the same year. It's a great point. I decided to buy tickets the day of Game 2 in Oklahoma City. The only problem is... <laughs> that the uh, Hall of Fame Stadium is like five miles from my house. Um, Omaha is not five miles away from my house. It's closer to five hundred miles. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit tougher ass to uh, find my way up there this Saturday. But hey, OU wins tomorrow. You you never know what can happen. Never know what can happen. Uh, here's a re- recruiting text. How soon do you think it'll be until Brent Venables is bringing in high four-end and five-star guys? And how nervous should OU be if he continues to go after three-star players? Um, Well, how long do I think it'll be? I mean, it's already happening. You've got a five-star committed in this class with quarterback Jackson Arnold, and you just got a four-star commitment last week, so... I don't know if they're wanting to see more of those guys, but Parker, I, I mean, I'm looking at this year's class and last year's class. It's it's already happening. Hey, listen, Tyler, don't try to push back against the narrative, okay? Oklahoma's three-star U, and that's what they're going to be under Brent Venables. So kiss a top ten recruiting class goodbye. Brent Venables is just recruiting the uh, the consummate underdogs. 
So forget blue chip talent. Brent Venables is just going to get a bunch of 5'11", 220-pounders and develop them. Well, <laughs> he's he's going to have an Elite 11 quarterback throwing all those undersized guys, I guess. Um, Jackson Arnold is an Elite five-star Elite 11 quarterback, which, you know, some of the names that we know in this class, Nico's there, Malachi Nelson is there, um, Jaden Rashada is there, Eli Holstein, a Bama commit, is there. I, I mean, if, if you were to doubt that Jackson Arnold's one of the best quarterbacks in this class, I don't know why you are with those five stars, but here he is, Parker, in the Elite 11 Finals. Yeah, and look, here's here's the reality when you look at the way that Brent Venables and Oklahoma uh, are recruiting right now. Yeah, you know what? There are going to be more three-star commitments in the early stages of the cycle than there will be blue-chip commitments because, in general, the blue-chippers are the guys that want to take more time. Right? And th- that's not to paint with too broad a brush because sometimes you get a guy like Jackson Arnold or a guy like Caleb Hicks that's just not as big into the process and wants to find their destination and lock it in. But for the most part, when you're a four- or five-star guy, you're enjoying the attention. You're enjoying the process. You're enjoying getting recruited by 40 of the best college football programs all across the country. And so, you know what? You're probably not going to pull the trigger as early in the process as somebody like, for instance, Kate McIntyre, who I'm about to go out and see in Fremont, Nebraska, who was, who is a three-star, had some pretty high-end offers, Nebraska, Tennessee, Minnesota, Kansas State. But when Oklahoma jumps onto the scene, they dwarf the rest of his offer sheet in terms of prestige and tradition and the opportunity for development. So he probably isn't going to feel a need to wait around any longer in order to figure out where home is going to be for him. So you're going to have more three-star commitments than blue-chip commitments earlier in the cycle. That doesn't mean you're not going to get the blue chips because you are at the University of Oklahoma. I was talking last night with my colleague Brandon Drum from OUinsider.com, and we're very much of the same opinion that by hook or by crook, Oklahoma is going to end up with multiple five-stars in the 2023 cycle, and they will have a greater than 50% blue-chip ratio, meaning that over half the players that they bring in in this recruiting cycle are going to be four- and five-star guys. Yeah. Just because six of the eight are three-stars right now does not mean that is the pattern that you should expect to hold for years or even months with regard to Venables and his staff's recruiting efforts at OU. I, I would say that wait until the season a little bit, too, because as confident is I that a lot of us are right now on how this is all going to go, especially week one. I mean, I'm, I've been on record here saying that, you know, as it stands today, I think this team's going to go 11-1, and win the Big 12, and make it to a college football playoff this year. Obviously, I'm very confident on what this first season is going to look like. But, you know, maybe there's not – I don't want to say that there's not that confidence, but maybe there's more of a wait-and-see approach with some of these recruits out there, be it the 2023 class, 24 class, and beyond whatever. If OU comes rolling out of the gate, man, if that up-tempo offense looks really fast and they're exciting, they're scoring a whole lot of points, if OU defensively, they're getting to the quarterback, um, they're shutting teams down, they they look like a really good, fundamentally strong football team, then I think that that's going to have a very positive effect because back to momentum, Parker, I believe recruiting momentum is a really good thing. And in year one with this coaching staff, I think that playing well, especially early on in the season, 
could do just that. It, it could generate some recruiting momentum with uh, some of these uncommitted players that are still going to be out there in September and well, October. Well, and, consi- and consider the fact, Tyler, that you're dealing with a new coaching staff at the University of Oklahoma. And so what's one thing that kids are going to be wanted are going to be eager to see once the fall rolls around they're going to be eager to see how quickly you can turn the tide and develop a championship level program so if brent venables and this sooner team start out seven and oh eight and oh in 2022 maybe that makes oklahoma all the more attractive of a destination for somebody like david hicks for instance and so when you look at his top list he's got ou he's got oregon he's got texas a&m Miami's in the mix as well. So if you're looking at the situations at each of those four programs and the common denominator there among three of the four when you throw in Miami and Oregon is a new coaching staff, when you're trying to figure out which of those coaching staffs is most ready-made and most built for success both in the short term and the long run, it's this 2022 season that is going to help determine which school he favors in the end. Yeah. Two more. Parker Tyler, will this year's O-line, will this year's O-line play slash O-line recruiting class be good enough to shut up the BB haters that have been crawling around lately? Love Bates and Caden Green if we get him, but curious who that third potentially will be with Formby committing to Alabama. Yeah, so, I mean, Wilkin Formby was never really in a position where OU was uh, leading for him or even I would say a top two contender for him. It kind of always felt like it was going to be Alabama or Ole Miss. I actually figured it was going to be Ole Miss, as did plenty of folks until Alabama made a late surge in that recruitment. He's got some family ties to the Crimson Tide. So uh, that one goes in favor of Bama yesterday. But uh, Caden Green's announcement scheduled for July 8th. Peyton Kirkland's announcement scheduled for July 23rd. And then you got a couple more guys in Logan Howland and Jaden Chapman that Oklahoma's very much in the mix for. But the reality of the situation, Tyler and listener on the Air Comfort Solutions sex line, is that there are always going to be haters. Right, always. I'm sure you can find people in some obscure corner of social media that have somehow found a way to diss what Nick Saban has done at Alabama. Right? These people exist. They're not worth listening to. They're not worth paying attention to, but they exist. So Brent Venables is going to build a championship-level recruiting class at Oklahoma in this cycle. I expect it to be top ten. I think it very well could be top five. And the Sooners are by no means going to fall on their face on the football field this fall. They're going to win plenty of games. Is that going to quell the haters? To a certain extent, sure. Completely, probably not. Yeah, That's just how the cookie crumbles. One more. So a small road trip is the excuse for not supporting the Sooners? Yeah, I get it. T-Row had a rant about that this morning. Flagship station host, no shows. Hey, uh, trust me. If uh, someone wants to pay my way, uh, like T-Row, I, I will 100% be up there. I was just on vacation all last week and uh, gas to and from Omaha. And hotels in Omaha right now are like $400, $500 a night. So it's not about the want to. It's about the uh, means to be able to, to hey, make that happen. just stay in Lincoln. Lincoln's right up the road. Just stay there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, that might be a tough. I bet hotels are still two hundred fifty a night in Lincoln for this thing. Some price gouging going on. Hey, you know what? Worst comes to worst, you can just pitch a tent in my backyard. Okay. That All right. Guest room is under construction right now. Guest room is under construction, so it is not available 
uh, to house you or your wife. But I'm sure we we've got a couple jungle hammocks down in the attic somewhere. So uh, we'll dig around. Kendall for those says to sleep in my car. If I was 22 years old, I assure you, I would have very much considered sleeping in the car for this thing in the parking lot. That's no lie. All right, a lot of recruiting uh, going on in college football right now. We'll get you caught up on that. A&M just sent one over the left field wall. They're up 4-0 now in the top of the fifth inning. More OU baseball, more college football, more recruiting on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, he's live in Omaha. This hour is brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems, where they're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. Oklahoma City, 405-361-3094, Tulsa, 918-984-5475, or EliteRoofing.com. A&M up over Notre Dame. 4 nothing in the top of the fifth. Aggies at the plate with a runner at third and nobody out. So AM looking real good in this elimination game. Winner will take on OU tomorrow at 1 o'clock. A familiar former OU commit uh, makes an announcement today, Parker, for the second consecutive day. Ohio State gets a five-star wide receiver. This time it's Brandon Ennis. Again, former OU commit. Uh, picks Ohio State out of Fort Lauderdale over Bama, Miami, and USC. How big of a surprise is this, or not so much at all? Yeah, not really a surprise. Uh, I expected Ohio State to land Brandon Innes. That's kind of where things had been trending uh, for several months now, and especially with Dylan Riola committed, their quarterback of the future up there in Columbus. The five-star skill position talent was going to start flowing. The dam broke yesterday with the commitment of Carnell Tate and Brandon Innes soon followed. Those two play seven-on-seven ball together with SFE, so not a huge surprise uh, that they are going to be teaming up uh, in Columbus, catching passes from Dylan Ryle at some point down the line in the scarlet and gray for Ohio State. Uh, So, yeah, I I personally am not surprised. I know USC kind of felt like they were going to have a say in the Brandon Innes race. Just never really bought that. Uh, Ohio State, to me, is definitely in position to land what could be the top class in the 2023 cycle when all said and done. They're, they are not done landing elite players nationwide. So was was Brandon Ennis the player, or am I thinking of someone else, that it, it was definitely a receiver, that Brent Venables is hired, Jeff Levy is hired, and OU really didn't reach out to him? Like there wasn't uh, a You're whole thinking lot of, of DeAndre Moore, okay. who okay. has since committed to Louisville, I tell you what, Louisville made a splash yesterday. They got five-star running back Reuben Owens, which uh, tells you how far the bourbon slash horse racing slash Papa John's money pit is taking the Cardinals in this recruiting class. Yeah, that's the next one I was going to bring up today. Um, Louisville has had a huge offseason with big news on the recruiting trail. Scott Satterfield, some think that he's maybe a little bit on the hot seat going into this year. Well, I think that, you know, a a, a big-time recruiting class can definitely help a coach's job security. Reuben Owens has got to be one of the more highly-ranked players Louisville's gotten a a commitment from in a long time. I know Lamar Jackson ended up being a great college football player, won the Heisman Trophy, but I think he was only a three-star coming out of the state of Florida, right? He was a pretty low three-star as well. And look, I'll be the first to say it. This is not based on intel. This is solely my opinion, just based on what I know of Ruben Owens and his family. I don't think that commitment sticks. 
I don't. I think what's going to end up happening is leading up to National Signing Day, you will see him decommit, and he'll end up at Texas or Texas A&M or TCU. He'll stay closer to home somewhere where he can be the guy at a school that's actually going to make a bowl game because I don't even know if Louisville is going to be in position to do that. May not. No, may not. They, they've fallen off as a football program really since uh, Lamar Jackson uh, exited in what, I guess that would have been the 2017, 2017 season, I think. Yeah, um, but Louisville is going to be a big-time player in the NIL, and I, I actually I don't blame them because that's their one chance to be somewhat relevant in college football. It's kind of really their only avenue, and – when you got a coach on the hot seat and a bunch of donors out there that are uh, very hungry to get back to the top of the ACC, well, you're seeing Louisville, um, a school that doesn't have a whole lot of college football tradition, throwing out the cash to uh, to try to make it happen, man. Nah, that's it's interesting. I also saw, I guess this happened while I was gone last week, but there's now crystal balls in for Dylan Edwards to Kansas State, which I said, ugh. Really? Um, you, you've told me all along that this is a crazy recruitment, so in no way does this, like, the final nail in the coffin of where he's going to go. But do you have to be 5'9 or shorter to play running back at Kansas State, Parker? I mean, Darren Sproles, Deuce Vaughn, um, Daniel Thomas was a great back for them. I don't think he was very big either. And now Dylan Edwards? It's like the best running backs they have are shorter than, like, 5'10". Well, when that's your calling card, you do have a pretty strong recruiting pitch to a kid like Dylan Edwards, don't you? And obviously the proximity to home, the fact that his dad played at Kansas State, all that comes into play. In addition to the fact that he just didn't really feel prioritized by the OU staff at the Champu Barbecue, was kind of miffed that there were other running backs present on campus during that whole ordeal, which, I, I, and understandably so, most people at this point are reacting to that bit of knowledge by saying, are you serious, man? Richard Young and Dalen Smothers were the other two running backs on campus. How are you going to be upset at Oklahoma for recruiting those guys? But no, I, So I flipped my crystal ball to favor Kansas State in the aftermath of Caleb Hicks' commitment because I think that does kind of foreclose the path for Oklahoma to have slash make a spot for Dylan Edwards in this cycle. So... I'm comfortable projecting that he ends up staying home with K-State at this point. Text line uh, wants to know, is Northwestern making a move on P.J. Adabare? He's been awfully quiet lately. Uh, So Northwestern is in it. Most recently, P.J. is working on an official visit to LSU. Oh, that's going to happen. Jamar Cain's in it, too. That said, I was talking to P.J. uh, just about a week ago, uh, right before I left town to head up to Omaha, and the th- one of the things he said to me is, look, I'm I'm getting pretty close to a decision. I have a good idea at this point of where I want to go. And you know, he, di- he didn't say where that was. He didn't say which particular school that he was really favoring. But if you put two and two together, it's not hard to figure. Oklahoma is the likely landing spot for P.J. Adebare at this point in time, and something is going to have to turn way left if he is not going to be a Sooner at the end of it all. Let me get to one more. So seriously, all these former OU commits going other places and all the five-star recruits that we aren't in on in other schools like USC, Ohio State, Clemson, etc., are in on and we aren't is not that big a deal or nothing to worry about. Doesn't seem like we are even getting interest from the lot of, a lot of the guys that we used to. 
basically saying that OU's going to have to step up its NIL game or they're going to get left behind. Well, I, I, there's a perception out there, Parker, that OU is not involved in NIL at all, which that isn't true. They're, they're not as aggressive as A&M, Texas, or Louisville and Oregon, but at the same time, we don't have any concrete evidence or proof that NIL is the way to go in college football. I, I mean, in fact, just the opposite. I mean, Bama and Georgia are still the teams, at least here recently, that are winning national championships, so... I guess on one hand you could say NIL is the way to go, but I, I tread carefully because there is no proof whatsoever that that's going to uh, get you a whole lot of wins at the end of the day. And In fact, it could totally destroy the culture that you're trying to build with this first-year staff. Correct. At this point in time, you want to go the cautious route with regard to NIL because you don't know how it's going to affect your program's bottom line and your program's capacity to compete at the highest level uh, and maintain its current trajectory. So you know what? If Texas A&M and Arkansas and Miami and Nebraska and all these teams that are buying in literally and figuratively to the NIL game, if they start to reinsert themselves into the national title conversation, then maybe we can start having a discussion about Oklahoma, quote-unquote, falling behind with regard to NIL. Until then... It's not something that should legitimately worry any Oklahoma fan because one thing you don't win a national title without is culture, and you know Oklahoma's going to have that. They will have culture, they will have development, and they will have excellent coaching in Norman. Yeah. It is locked in with McComas and Thune. Uh, Parker is at Double Zero Pizzeria in Omaha. That's 1405 South 204th Street. A&M up 5 nothing right now on Notre Dame. One final segment of Locked In coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. All right, final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. Notre Dame trying to get something going here in the bottom of the fifth. Lead-off double for the Irish. They're down 5 nothing to Texas A&M in Omaha. Uh, that's important because the winner will face off against OU tomorrow at 1 p.m. My guess, Parker, is that David Sandlin gets the start tomorrow for OU. What say you when we uh, reconvene? Uh, by the, when we get back on the show, it'll probably be in like the fourth inning. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and concur with you on that, Tyler. But I actually think, yes, you start Sandlin, but I tell you what, Steely loves the Larry Koshellism, Johnny Holstaff. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what you'll get to a certain extent for Oklahoma tomorrow. I do think Sandlin starts, but they probably don't try and extend him probably turn things over to Chaz Martinez or one of the more reliable middle relief arms out of the bullpen in pretty short order. Uh, thus, you don't overwork anybody. You don't give either Notre Dame or Texas A&M a chance to settle in against one particular pitcher. And in doing so, you hopefully keep everybody fresh for the championship series. You keep Jake Bennett in the chamber in case you need him on Thursday. But if you get the victory tomorrow and don't have to use Bennett, you can roll him out for game one on Saturday. You can roll with Cade Horton for game two on Sunday. And at that point, you really like your odds to just sweep the thing if you're Oklahoma. No doubt, man. Uh, a few texts to get to, Air Cover Solutions text line. Peyton, only 74 more days and three hours until we don't have to worry as much about the recruiting drama and finally watch some football. Amen. I, hopefully that's over uh, before 74 days is up, man. Jeez. Yeah, it, Lord knows it won't be, though. That's just 
the way that things go sometimes with this fan base in particular, and I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. Most of the fans are reasonable, but the select few, the uh, the squeaky wheels, as it were, they squeak very loudly at this point in the year in particular. In the 405, let's slow down, fans. High schoolers want to see what happens this year. We will be okay with the development of players. We will not require a ton of five-star players. I, look, I think we all expect the development of these kids to be a lot better than they've been previously. It's going to take some five-star players, but is it going to take 25-star players on the roster? Well, you're hoping that's a no, and I think that's a no, because I don't see a situation here, Parker, where OU has you know, 15, 25 stars on the roster like a Georgia and Alabama. No, at least not in the immediate future. That's not going to be the Brent Venables way. But here's what you also got to keep in mind. Venables isn't going to make digging into the transfer portal his calling card he's going to recruit and he's going to build his roster primarily around high school recruits year in and year out you will not see the Sooners bring in what 13 14 transfer portal additions at this point every single year that's just not going to be the norm so things will normalize people will learn to be okay with it and they will be back to playing championship-level football at the University of Oklahoma. In the 918, is Parker munching on some gluten-free seeds right now? I have a suspicion that Travis just texted us that. I mean, I, yeah, I saw... I'm sure he did. I'm saw, I saw that Twitter drama about you and gluten-free seeds or yeah, whatever no, it is. I, yeah, mm. forget that. Uh, no, I'm not a gluten-free person. I am definitely a sunflower seeds person, though. What I am munching on and have been munching on for the last three hours is some delicious pizza from Double Zero. So if you're in Omaha, come on out to 204th and Pacific. It is fantastic. Chaz, the co-owner up here, is a big Sooner fan. And, uh, yeah, they will provide you with some phenomenal Italian eats. There you go. Hey, man, uh, appreciate it. Have fun tonight. And, uh, yeah, appreciate um, appreciate those guys up there for uh, having you out for the show. That was that was a lot of fun. And shout-out to Chaz up there. I'm sure Chaz is going to try to make it to the uh, baseball game tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We'll see if the Sooners can get the win over what's looking like Texas A&M at this point. The rush is coming up next, so keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.